All right, let me uh, go ahead and open us up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time with uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, this chance to uh, learn about uh, this topic that you have spoken to us about and you also care deeply about. Um, give us uh, wisdom, give us uh, a learning heart, a humble heart to approach this and and understand that we are um, always growing in conforming to your will. And so uh, there may be things here we learn that's new to us or uh, challenging to us, but Lord, we just lean on your grace in um, just heading in the right direction and conforming more and more and more to your image uh, and to your love. Uh, we pray this, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, let me start off with a couple passages of scripture and go from there. Deuteronomy 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Okay. You know, God's intention for us ever since the Old Testament was that we infuse his word into our parenting process uh, in a very holistic, comprehensive way. So much so, so diligently so that it would be never without his word when we sit down, when we walk, when we lie down, when we rise. Um, so, so this is a part of drawing close to that will of God for us as parents to infuse more of his word into our parenting. Proverbs has a lot to say about parenting, um, but since we are addressing that particular topic of discipline today, I uh, wanted to mention this verse that says, whoever spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. We're going to get to what the rod means uh, and why it may be actually loving to employ that. But the, the part I wanted to highlight here is that uh, the the father who hate uh, who loves uh, the parent who loves the child is diligent to discipline. Um, so the word diligent appears both times in Deuteronomy and Proverbs, and I just want to begin with that encouragement. You know, I I can certainly say I am not successful or faithful at being diligent every day, but let's set that as like our like target, sort of a a bullseye. Uh, we want to hit from here on out. God has called me to be diligent in disciplining my children. And that means I do have to be more diligent in uh, learning what he said about that, applying what he said about that, uh, so on and so forth. And so uh, let's have that spirit of just humble spirit of learning uh, what God has in store for us and uh, take this kind of one step at a time. And, and it's, again, entirely okay if um, this is new. Um, you haven't heard this before. Um, uh, this is probably new for, for most of us. That's okay. It's, it's about direction and hitting the target more better, better and better in time. All right. I hope every, everyone can see the slides. Okay. Let me know in the chat if you know, something's in the way or, or if, if you're not able to see as well. Um, I'm not sure if um, I'm hoping it's all just working. <laughs> I'm just kind of rolling with it. Okay, uh, let me start with this. There are two big categories when it comes to uh, disciplines. The first category would be preventative discipline. And the second category would be corrective discipline. And when it comes to preventative discipline, that's uh, prior to correction, prior to your child getting into trouble. Uh, and, and it can be more infused into our daily life, our daily habits and patterns. But it is a form of discipline that's less employed. The second kind, corrective discipline, is something that kicks in when correction is needed and, and the wrong is done. And it's the more frequently employed um, form of discipline. And naturally so. Uh, it's a natural part of life. <laughs> Just as we need a lot of confessing and correcting, our children do as well. But it may be helpful to bring some balance. Okay to corrective and preventative um, discipline. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, first category, preventative, 
And second category, corrective. So let's get into the principles, um, starting with some of the preventative uh, discipline principles. Principle number one, make God the priority in your family life. Uh, this, this kind of sounds obvious, but it's, it's really worth just you know, considering this. Um, is God really a priority in our family life? Because when he isn't, when God isn't a, a priority in our family life, we will tend to swing from two ends of a pendulum where on the one end, we can be caring too little, you know, whether it's because we're, we're busy with our jobs or uh, with rest or recreation. Um, and we can know very little about our, our children's interests, hopes, their worries, their spiritual condition. The other end of the pendulum is where we care only about our children in the more physical material sense, but not enough about their um, spiritual lives, spiritual maturity, uh, and spiritual well-being. And so uh, we, we need to see what is what is God's perspective in this and, and bring some balance to this and not kind of swing from one end to the other. Uh, there are a couple, maybe three starting points that can get us going when it comes to making God priority in our family life. And, and this is probably the most helpful preventative discipline there is. And that's us as parents being the primary leaders, spiritual leaders for our children. Uh, teaching them the importance of God's word, what what God's word says about who they are, how God perceives them, that he sees them as God's people set apart from the world because he set his seal upon them. And so it's important that they worship God and obey God. And we want to prioritize our, our Sundays. We want to prioritize spiritual activities as a family. Um, another thing is just praying with them uh, and praying for them. They, they really learn how to interact with God from the way parents interact with God. Children get their, in a sense, first theological building blocks, just observing how their parents pray. Or their lack of prayer uh, could also imply certain things about God. It, it may give them a more deistic view of God that, okay, we believe in God, but God is kind of distant and he doesn't really meddle with our affairs. So let them see you pray and let them hear you pray. Uh, show them how much you depend on God so that they will begin to process how, oh, if, if, my, uh, if mommy and daddy are praying, <laughs> relying on God that much, then as someone who depends on mommy and daddy, how much more should I pray? Uh, so model that for them. Third, show them how Christianity is attractive to you so that they would likewise grow in their attraction to it. Um, if they see that mommy and daddy are clearly bored with Christianity, uh, so will they be bored with Christianity. Uh, if, if church life seems kind of like a drag for their parents, uh, so will it be for the children. So um, there are ways we can, these, these are small ways we can begin to make God the priority in our family life. Worship, prayer, uh, and just our, the way we just present the Christian faith to our children. Principle number two, meet the psychological needs of your children that God has equipped you to provide for them. Okay. And here I'm going to give you four A's um, and uh, just to encourage your note-taking. I didn't, well, that's an excuse. I don't have the four A's written here, but they are four A's. So it should be easy enough for your note-taking. Um, first A is affirmation. Second A is appreciation. Third A is attention. And fourth A is affection. Okay. Uh, these are four simple ways we can meet the psychological needs of our children that God has equipped us to meet and called us to meet. Affirmation. Let them know that they are really special to you, uh, how significant they are to you, that you really think of them that way and, and express to them specifically uh, why you think they're so special. Affirm them. Okay. Um, appreciation. Children need appreciation for even the little positive things that they do, uh, for parents to catch those little positive moments and saying simple thank yous and well dones. And, and if we don't praise them for uh, routine positive things, 
we will come across as authority figures who only give negative feedback uh, for the negative things that occur. And, and that's an imbalance we want to correct. There ought to be appreciation for even the most mundane positive things. Uh, third, attention. They need your listening, engaged, active listening as much as possible. Uh, when they share with you, don't see it as an interruption uh, to your life, but as an opportunity to show them that you care about what they care about. Uh, making eye contact with them, being there fully in that moment, listening actively. Um, and this way they learn to focus on you as well and, and not so quickly lose their own train of thought and turn only to, to negative attention, like the kind of the passive attention they pay to television or something like that, but positive attention to another person uh, that they socialize with and interact with. Uh, so give them your attention. Uh, of course, there are times when there are just no boundaries and interrupting way too much. But again, it's about balance. And fourth, affection. Uh, children need our affection and, and they need our affectionate touch. Uh, and that's a very important aspect as well. Hugs, kisses, cuddles, pat on the back. They need enough uh, positive physical touch, affectionate touch to know that when you do apply uh, the rod or spanking, that it's a part of your love, loving gesture towards them. So there's no imbalance in how you touch them, how you show them uh, your parental love and care through your touch. And, and studies do show this time and time again, that children's sense of security right, in earlier stages of life will have measurable impact later in life. So there's even studies showing that their own understanding of their, their sexual identity will largely come from what they experience from their parents or what they observe in their parents. And so we can, we can be sort of early on in this and just um, get ahead of this and show them as fathers, mothers, uh, proper affectionate touch uh, to our children. For those of you who are just coming in uh Feel free to write your questions down separately on the side, save them for the Q&A time. You can put your question in the chat box. You can also send them private mess via private message to me. If you like to just keep your question omitted from this recording, you can just save that question for a private conversation later on um, since this is um, gonna be recorded. All right, uh, principle number three. Uh, make sure your motive in discipline is love and the goal, God's righteousness. Okay. Make love the motive and God's righteousness the goal when it comes to disciplining your children. If we set love as the motive, then it's going to keep us from both the error of being overly permissive on the one hand in our discipline and overly Victorian or hard uh, in our discipline as well. Love is what keeps us from both this kind of passive attitude when it comes to discipline and also overly aggressive attitude when it comes to um, uh, discipline. Um, and if God's righteousness is the goal, then we can come out of this, this kind of parenting philosophy a lot of people have that correction is the ultimate goal, which only tends to take children down the path of behavior control, right? Stop doing this, stop doing that, do more of this, do less of that. And, and it's missing that very essential goal in, in parenting and disciplining our children. And that is to help them conform in their spiritual character to God's character, right? Aligning their hearts to God's heart. Then, right, our corrective discipline takes effect uh, in the way that God wants it to take effect. Otherwise, if it's simply behavior control, ironically, our uh, disciplining them can be a spiritual stumbling block for our children because we're telling them, we just want you to behave outwardly in a certain way without a heart change. And that's all right. And that is not God's goal uh, because that's not aiming at true righteousness. So, at the end of the day, it's not whether it's not about whether you use spanking or not. 
you used a rod or not. And we'll get to why some, it sometimes it's a good idea to. It's about what your motive is, what your goal is. Is love the motive as opposed to short-temperedness, right? Uh, is righteousness the goal as opposed to outward conformity to proper behavior, okay? So uh, let's strive to make love the motive, God's righteousness the goal. And, and this would certainly also mean for, for us as parents to steadily grow and mature in our own, right? Our own capacity to love, our own conformity to God's righteousness as well, which means our own discipleship. All right. So we've already kind of entered into territory, kind of moved from preventative aspects to more corrective aspects now. So principles number four to 12 will be more directly speaking to corrective disciplines. And so that's where we're going to be headed. So here's principle number four. Husbands, wives uh, must agree with one another and support each other's parental authority. Okay. When one parent says no, <laughs> the, the other parent should support that decision. Any disagreement that a father has with uh, the mother, husband with a wife should be resolved out of the children's hearing. Otherwise, the child will very quickly learn how to manipulate that and uh, play one parent against the other. Now, having said that, also at the same time, the, the Bible also views husbands and wives as both holding equal dignity and honor in the role of parenting. And, and at the same time, the husband is to be the primary servant leader uh, who takes initiative, who, who leads, uh, and the wife is to follow that servant leadership as the church submits to, to Christ. And so I would encourage you to try to follow that model and, and come to an agreement about disciplining your children. Uh, so, so husbands, dads, please initiate this conversation with your wife. Uh, what can we do better as we make love our motive? What can we do better as we, as we make God's righteousness the goal and initiate these conversations and encourage your wife in that direction? Be the first to initiate that as uh, servant leaders of the family. Um, principle number five, be wise in discerning the appropriate corrective consequences for your children. Okay, right. now we're really getting to that, what Proverbs meant by diligence, right? Uh, we need to figure uh, these details out. What this means is, first of all, just making sure that you've explained to the child the consequences before you implement the consequences. They deserve the respect of making sure they understand what you expect of them, right? And, and what the consequences will be if they disobey you. And their level of you know, rationality and, and understanding, cognitive ability is, of course, right, something you have to discern. It's up to the parents. And as you move according to that, uh, when they disobey what you have laid down for them, give them a warning, right? Don't, don't move right into punishment. Uh, God warns. God is a God of warning. And, and like God, we can warn in love. We can warn gently. Uh, we can warn graciously and patiently and not in anger. Um, and so as you warn, uh, give yourself the space to be slower to anger. Okay. And then have a plan for what you will do if they continue to disobey, right? So that you do not instill in them this false sense, this false worldview that rules can just be pushed against constantly and broken and consequences can always be avoided. You do, that's not loving to instill in them that kind of a, a worldview. So there should be consequences. As you discuss the consequences uh, with your spouse, you can right, consider the various kind of options that are out there. And, and I want to just go through a few of the, the big ones. Uh, there's, there's spanking or using the rod. There's timeout or grounding. There's rewards. And then there's making restitution. Uh, when it comes to spanking, 
there is biblical grounds for that. Uh, the biblical rod, it's, it's equivalent to like a modern day, like wooden spoon or paddle. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not something as grave as like right, a weapon. Um, and it's, it's used instead of the hand. It's in a sense, one step removed from this immediate physical reaction to the child's wrongdoing. And, and spanking should only start to be used when, when they clearly understand what you mean by no and, and, and measured against their rational maturity and physical maturity as well, right? One way to put this is spanking should sting. It, it may bring tears, but it should never bruise. Uh, it should never wound uh, the child. Again, uh, it must be administered with the motive of love, with the motive of love and the goal of, of righteousness. It's not an outlet. Spanking is not an outlet for our anger. Uh, it is not aimed at conforming their behavior to whatever we'd like them to behave in. It's love and um, righteousness. If you have any questions about that, please feel free to raise uh, later on. Timeout. I, I seldomly use timeout, but the, uh, sometimes I do use it. Uh, it's it's up to discernment. It's up to wisdom. The cautionary note there, though, is to not use it in a way that avoids conflict, avoids the 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 work that needs to be done in actively engaging your child with positive instruction. So so not being passive, but proactive in engaging the child, because that's our God given duty. And so for the same reason, I, I'm I'll probably be quite scarce with with grounding as well when our children are old, older. Um, but there may be uh, times for that. Again, it's about your motive. Uh, rewards can also be effective at times. Uh, God uses rewards. But be careful to not turn that into a bribe. <laughs> um, bribe tends to come before good behavior. <laughs> Um, and they don't work in the long term because it reinforces outward conformity. Right? I'm, I'm temporarily going along to um, to get this reward. And whereas rewards that come after good behavior is positive reinforcement through affirmation and uh, uh, appreciation. Okay. All right. Let's see here. That's five. And principle number six, always maintain eye contact. Uh, it's a surprisingly helpful principle and a surprisingly uh, calming, composing, uh, controlling principle. Uh, actively uh, engaging the child during the disciplinary process through eye contact. And it's not just you looking at them, they're looking at you. You're asking them, hey, look, look me in the eyes. And sometimes that means you have to go on your knees because, you know, to meet your child at their eye level, speaking to them in a way that is really seeking their understanding, right? Seeking connection, uh, seeking understanding, right? Getting on the same page um, with one another. And uh, one of the things I've really communicated is that physically is it's maintaining eye contact, okay? Um, and it kind of reinforces... In, in your child's mind that they are being disciplined in this moment. Um, and, and it's a, it's a proper moment where my parents are trying to connect with me as parents. And this is part of being parented. This is part of being loved, this disciplinary process. All right. Principle number seven, call out the sin or the offense. Uh, is something, if, if something they did is not, clearly sinful, uh, be careful not to correct them as if it is. You know, kind of ask yourself, does this offend God? If not, if it, if it still offends me, um, is it still valid? Is, a va is it a valid offense? Um, is, it their, is it simply their carelessness? Is it a just honest mistake? Kind of breaking a house rule that is kind of our preference um, and, and they're meeting, they're not meeting that, but are they, are they defying that intentionally? Because that would be dishonoring one's parents and be sinful, but are they just forgetful? 
and and that will fall more under the offense territory than sinful territory. It's it's important that we do draw some distinctions between things that are clearly sinning against God and things that are simply just you know offensive to us or kind of rubbing us the wrong way, and then measuring our response accordingly. Okay, otherwise we can miss really miss the opportunity to speak into our children's conscience. And help them engage with God at the personal moral level when it comes to their sins. Um, so it's helpful to identify, hey, that's stealing. And here's what God says about stealing. Or that's coveting. And, and here's why God doesn't uh, want his people to covet. right? And so on and so forth. And, and make draw that distinction and engage them with, with, with God. Um, Rather than simply with just you're you're really bothering me or offending um, kind of my preferences, um, and and being discerning about um, those distinctions. Okay. All right. Question uh, principle number eight. Make sure that the correction is proportionate to the wrong done. Okay. So parents need to be sufficiently firm uh, so that the child would feel remorse for the wrong that's done. But we we should be somewhat clear about what the wrong is, like, like I just said. Uh, is it the child's immaturity, right? So for example, is it just a normal level of tantrum that a child would just display, kind of, kind of lacking that self-control when they're frustrated, you know? So do they need teaching on how to handle frustrations in that moment because that will be the proportionate response not demanding uh simply demanding silence are, but are they are they ignoring or forgetting the instructions you've given them repeatedly where well, then that may bring in disciplinary uh, needs or is it really outright defiance like they really know what they're doing and they're just outright defying you uh, then you need to be even firmer, right? In that case, so make sure the 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 correction is proportionate to the wrong that's being done, and you are in the best position as parents to know, right? Is this just ignorance? Is this um, their outright defiance or something else? Okay. If if you catch them lying, that's definitely. Uh, cause for more serious discipline, that's an act of defiance. And that's something to be firm about, right? To And, and to instill the value of truth in them. Okay, uh, so that's just an example where I think more, more, more often than not, it's something that needs firm discipline and, and teaching them, hey, God is truth. The devil is a liar. And so he must not lie. Um, and... In that case, you know, identifying sin for what it is. All right. Principle number nine. Reflect the grief of God uh, when administering corrective discipline. Okay. Uh, what this just means is we ought to keep our emotions aligned with God's emotions as much as possible. Okay. W what are God's feelings about this? <laughs> right. Um uh, and and I think that's when we can kind of consider how, you know, God may be offended by this child lying, um, but he he also feels probably a lot of grace. He, he probably feels a lot of kindness too and readiness to forgive, a lot of gentleness to restore this this sinner, uh, to this this willingness to endure. And also grief, right? Grief over the fact that, the image of God is so distorted and and broken in this child, and the desire to see that uh, forgiven and restored, uh, kind of bring that grief, bring that level of concern, spiritual concern, uh, in your disciplinary process. And what that really helps us do is kind of shave away, like take off, help uh, unhelpful uh, emotions we may bring to the table. Um, and, and this may be difficult to do, but it begins with considering God. It just begins with considering 
what is God feeling in this moment? How can I serve God as I discipline uh, my child? All right. Number 10, promptly ask for your child's forgiveness and your spouse's when you discover that you have disciplined unfairly or too severely. Okay. Um, Lynn will testify to this. I have had to do this uh, quite often. Uh, there are times when I had spanked harder than I should have. There are times when my motive wasn't love. There are times when my goal was not God's righteousness, but my words being immediately obeyed and respected. And I had to go to them. And I think sooner is always better uh, to apologize, to make that even make that a slightly bigger deal than the the wrong that they did. Um, you know, to say, yes, you did something wrong, but daddy's wrong was greater. So I I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I need God's forgiveness too and God's help. So will you pray for daddy? Uh, ask God to forgive daddy and pray that God will give him more patience. And I think the more I do this, it, it begins to, to one, it, it catches me sooner next time it's about to happen. And, and then I think the other thing is it begins to peel away this facade that, oh, my human parents are sinless and perfect. My, my mommy and daddy are, are such great Christians that they're, um, and, and being a great Christian means to be sin as sinless as they are, which is not true. You show them what a real Christian does. They repent. They confess their sins constantly. They repent. And, and what you also then do is you show them the better parent, the, the better heavenly father, their savior, and their parents' savior. Uh, and you instill in them even uh, a greater faith in the gospel, better reliance on the gospel through your repentance before your children. I think this is probably one of the, uh, single most helpful things to do before your children is to repent before your children. Uh, and when, when it's needed to ask them for their forgiveness uh, and their prayers for you. Great teaching moment. Principle number 11, be equipped and discipled. So you would grow in your personal uh, maturity. Now this may be going back to a bit more of the, the preventative discipline, um, but just wanted to include this here as we come to a close. We should seek every opportunity to be equipped as parents. Uh, we should share our struggles with other parents so that we have a group of people aware of our struggles and praying for us, cheering us on uh, because we do need each other. We need that kind of accountability. We need um, the, the, the constant attempt to take God's truth and apply that more deeply into our lives uh, in and out of season. And we also need the help of uh, experienced counselors, teachers, pastors who can speak into the lives of parents more. So I would encourage you guys to pick up uh, helpful resources. I'm going to post these book titles and share. With, I'm going to email them to the parents, post them on our Facebook group um, as, as recommendations. But uh, here are some titles, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp, How Children Raise Parents by Dan Allender. Parenting by Paul Tripp. And, and I wanted to, this is not a parenting book, but for parents who may feel like they're struggling with anger when it comes to discipline, right? If, if too much bad anger is getting infused to discipline, Good and Angry by David Paulison. Good and Angry, excellent book that has helped me a ton. I, I, would, I would recommend that book as well. Uh, pick up some of these books, begin reading them, begin implementing them, ask me questions, ask to sit down with me to apply these principles, ask me for the next topic for our parenting equipping, and let's continue to be equipped and discipled so we continue to mature as parents. Uh, we, we need each other to grow in this direction. All right, and principle number 12. Always, always, always discipline with the right motive for the right goal. I want to just end on this reminder. The, the motive is love. The goal is God's righteousness. 
this is the most important, most overarching principle. So I just want to close with reminding you of that. The motive is love. Goal is righteousness. They're positive consequences to to disciplining our children this way and bad very bad consequences to to not disciplining our children this way and so as we strive to grow in this direction of uh, loving them encouraging them towards uh, growing in righteousness um, not only will they grow so will you so will i uh, grow in this way and and i think uh, if thus far we have noticed, we have seen a lot of um, bad motives um, in our discipline, bad goals or uh, imperfect goals in our discipline. I think as we keep this final principle in mind, we can begin to reform those ways. Uh, there's there's a lot of hope here. There's a lot of hope for change and renewal. And you know, something I also really appreciate about our children is. Earlier, I mentioned the importance of, of repenting before your children. They're so forgiving. <laughs> they're, so, uh, they're so ready to pray for mommy and daddy and pray for God to help them. And they minister to us. They really do. So, so we will likewise conform to the image of God as we strive in this direction. It's going to benefit the whole family um, as a whole. All right. Um, with that, I'm going to... Um, stop the share screen. Okay. And what I'm going to do is look at your questions and try to uh, answer some of them. So, uh, yeah, some of you are sending it now. If you want to just ask a question on top of your head or follow up to anything, just go down to reactions and press raise hand. And then like the emoticon will show and then I will know to call on you. And then you can unmute yourself and feel free to ask your questions. All right. Let me start with this one. And this was just sent directly to me. Yep. Um, how do you discern the difference between a child being upset when they get in trouble versus actually feeling convicted that they did something bad? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, right, you guys understand, I hope you understand the question. So the difference between uh, a child just being upset on their own, right? Oh, I got in trouble again versus oh, I really feel bad that I what I did is um, wrong, right? You know, I think sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. <laughs> And I'm not sure if our job is to know exactly what's going on in their minds or in their hearts. I don't think God is calling us to be mind reading in that sense. I think what we can do is do our best to look them in the eye, yeah, make eye contact and ask a genuine question. Uh, do you know uh, what you have done is wrong or it's, it's displeasing to God and and maybe draw out a response, have them not only say sorry to you, but say a prayer before God. It's hard. I think for young children, especially, it's it's harder to fake that. But, you know, ultimately, uh, we're not mind readers and um, it's not a it's not our responsibility to use only that moment. Right. To try to um, change that person's heart, the child's heart and, and heart change is, is going to probably a lifelong process too. So I, I think I get the concern in the question. At the same time, I, I think it's, it's not something we have to be too concerned about, but, but follow through the motions of, you know, engaging with them, listening to them and try to draw out a heartfelt response. Okay. If there's any follow-up to that, please uh, feel free. Okay. Here's another one. What if their actions, the children's actions, aren't necessarily sinful, but we can foresee the action compounding into a future more severe tendency? Uh, for example, with each bite of food, leaving the table to play with toys. Yeah. Right, that's another really good question. So can you call that sinful when uh, 
a, a young child um, takes a bite, doesn't remain in their seat to go and play against their parents' uh, instruction. Now, I'm not sure what's meant by necessarily sinful. Um, I think there, there's maybe something implied there is like, do we have to call that a sin? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe, I mean, this is the, the, the idea of calling out sin is not to right, go kind of puritanical on our children and um, go on like a, like a sin witch hunt <laughs> um, and, and flag every sin they commit. But, but we do have to understand this, right? They are sinners. So they're sinners not because they sin. They sin because that's what they are, right? So maybe the question isn't, um, is what they're doing sinful? Um, do you see a sinful heart being displayed? Uh, if so, in what way? Again, is there defiance or is, is this just kind of forgetfulness, right? Uh, if it's forgetfulness, maybe they need patience or they need a, a, a system that helps them memorize things better or remember things better. Um, but if it is outright defiance, then that heart has to be addressed. And that can look different depending on the child's age and your understanding of their cognitive abilities. So it, it's, it's not something to kind of, kind of, leave alone simply because, oh, the action doesn't seem to warrant like the sin title. Well, you're dealing with a sinner and, and try to discern the heart of your child. Uh, and, and you're the best people to do that as parents. Um, God has placed them in your care because he wants you to discern that, not someone else. And so I would encourage you to, to try your best to discern that. Maybe get a second opinion from your spouse and and address that more holistically you know are we doing everything to not only discipline but also be preventative and equipping the child with the proper mechanisms to obey what we're saying um here's the next question if you were raised to obey or uh to hearing do it because i said so so more behavior versus hard how can one get out of the cycle of doing the same with your kids? Hard to practice something you didn't see modeled growing up. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, it feels like you're describing my childhood there a little bit. Um, if, yeah, if we grew up with do it because I said so, how do you not you know, uh, fall into the same cycle with your children? I think the only way to really answer that is by, by answering another question, and that is, uh, how has your heavenly father uh, parented you uh, in an even greater way than your earthly parents, right? Um, really hone in on that. Um, does God say, just do it because I said so? Or else, um, is that what Jesus says? Is that what the cross says? What does God's discipline look like, right? Um, and begin to reform our discipline with God's discipline. Um, the, the sort of the embedded question here is also, what if we have trouble seeing God in the proper light? Um, kind of like what Ruth Cho Simons was talking about in her book. Uh, instead of putting, right, our earthly parents' inadequacies onto God, what if we were to take the other route of taking God's qualities and applying that to our lives? So what does God's discipline look like? Well, it's always out of his love. It's always slow to anger. It's always meant to uh, conform us to his image. It's always meant to draw us closer, not farther away. Um, he's always engaging, not disengaging. Um, how are we receiving that as children of God first and foremost? And I think that will be probably the best way, if not the only way to reform how we approach our own children.
that's a big question. I, I don't know if I said enough there. Please uh, ask a follow-up if you like to. Um, here's the next question. The go-to discipline method for you and Lynn. The go-to, I don't know if we have a go-to method, but we do try to follow the, um, uh, explain uh, what our expectations are to the best of our ability first. Um, and, and then explain the consequences and, and make sure they understand. And then warning, right? To, to try not to skip the warning part. And, uh, and the, so here's where uh, mommy and daddy can be a little bit different. When Lynn warns, uh, it sounds a lot kinder than when I warn. Um, and so then it may be necessary for Lynn to warn and then more often go to the next disciplinary phase. Uh, but for our kids, they seem to, when I warn, um, they hear it in my voice, uh, this, this firmness or sternness. And um, more often than not, they would heed that warning. Um, uh, but yeah, we try to just follow that, at least those three steps of having explained fully and warning, and then applying the discipline, and if necessary, and sometimes it is, uh, the the comforting, the the aftermath where uh, we we go and comfort them, or I repent to them, the following through. Um, uh, but oftentimes you can infuse the comforting in the very disciplinary action as well. So it, so it it sometimes it's helpful to not detach the two, but uh, just as God comforts us when he calls us to confession he, he comforts us with words of reassurance as soon as we come to repent uh, we can also infuse that in, into our discipline as well let's see okay um i think this might be the last question here or it might be just a comment um well, since I'm not sure, I, I'm not going to mention it because maybe this person wants to kind of just be kept as a remark. But if you have any further questions, uh, um, we have we still have some time. Feel free to write them in the chat or uh, raise your emoji hands. Um, and if there are no further questions, I will close us with prayer. Uh, Rachel, do you have a question? Feel free to unmute yourself and ask away. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, Joe, uh, wanted to ask about just, um, sort of separating your, like, because, you know, when your child is not, you know, I guess quote, listening, you're trying to separate your anger and not lash that anger to the child, right? So I'm, I'm trying to figure out a for myself, right, to, you know, not, as you said, right, not unload that unnecessary anger on them because, I mean, they're mm -hmm. not targeting that. It's me, right? So mm -hmm. what, is there any, like, recommended, like, like, I don't know, something that we that I can try to do for myself to make sure that the anger does not point to the child, but, you know, it's necessarily vented out a different way? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe, thanks for asking that because I can really empathize with that. And yeah, that's an area I fail in very often, just to be honest with you. So I totally, uh, I appreciate you sharing that and, and raising that point. Um, and, and I honestly don't know if, if I have, you know, if anybody has really nailed that. <laughs> um, but maybe I'll go back to uh, the first thing that, you know, uh, that was mentioned maybe earlier in the talk. Um, I do have to be reminded constantly that my motive is love. And I think the, the times when I really keep that in mind, it, it really translates like into my, my reaction or my, my physical response, um, verbal response, even my emotional response. I even walk towards them slower when I, when I remember that my motive is to, to love them. Sometimes um, 
when my warning, when Lynn hears that my warning is louder than usual, uh, sometimes she gives me like a heads up as I, as I head, as I'm heading towards the disciplining phase, she gives me a heads up. Hey, uh, let's make sure our motive is love or something to that uh, degree. And that's also helpful. There are times when it's helpful to, to actually give a distance, uh, create a distance from another child for a little bit until we are kind of uh, in a more composed state and then, and then re-engage. Um, um, and, and yeah, I, I've, I really had to really read uh, Good and Angry by David Paulus and to process my, 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 old ang- uh, my, my own anger as well. Um, and again, a lot of times through our attempt to discipline our children, we see God disciplining us. And that's a, that's a part of this process, guys. That's uh, be okay with that. Be okay with how your children raise you. Uh, be okay with how God uses your children to sanctify you. Um, and let's get out of this idea, this false idea that our, our parents are only to be modeled after uh, in terms of you know conforming to their behavior. No, uh, our parents show us uh, that they're sinners too, and they need they need the gospel. So um, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Let's continue to grow as we repent and uh, hold fast to uh, that call, the the most central call, and that is to right, love, right, love God and to love those around us. Uh, as basic as that sounds, it's it's something that can slip out of my parenting, um, and I I know that I need the Holy Spirit every day to, to I need to I need to walk in step with the Spirit every day to be able to cultivate that more and more. Um, I need to be discipled in order to cultivate that more and more. It's it's not going to just happen um, naturally. So yeah, let's continue to be equipped, continue to mature in that direction. But in the meantime, take every opportunity to grow through repentance too, because God uses that not only for us, but for our children as well. Uh, I hope that addresses some some of what you said. I think um, there's comments here that you can also look at that. Uh, others, if you have uh, comments, please feel free to just write them in the chat. I'm going to move on to the next question here. And it's nine. And I said from nine, it's optional Q&A. So if you need to go, feel free. If you want to stick around for the Optional Q&A, feel free to stick around as well. Um, The next question is, should we also withhold from rewarding children until they can understand why they are being rewarded? Uh, That's a good question. So, I mean, I think the question already kind of, you're already, it sounds like the parents are taking into consideration like where is my child's like cognitive ability right the level at which they can understand the concept of a reward right so you're already thinking in those terms and um i think this is a question that i can't fully answer for you but but if you are really discerning that um they have absolutely no idea right if you're if they're so young right they, they have no idea what a reward is, um, then they're probably at the stage of development where they just feel something as, as affirmation. Uh, I, I read this interesting study about how even just in the act of infants or, or um, one-year-old, two-year-olds who are sitting on their parents' lap with a book in front of them and and as the parent reads, I mean, the baby doesn't understand anything. He doesn't understand a word. But they've done somehow studies on, on I think, neuroscience. Um, studies showing that children from that uh, gesture, that, that interaction, receive um, just the sense of being loved and embraced and um, cared for. And they feel secure. They feel relaxed. Um, and so uh, that's a reward, right? It, it's not like here, here's a reward for what you, you're not maybe connecting those dots Im- as immediately, but 
uh, it's definitely a, a reward, a gift to them. Um, maybe, maybe also hidden in this question is, or I think another question comes to my mind is, uh, should you keep rewarding children if if they if they don't seem to appreciate it at all? You know, uh, if if there seems to be this lack of positive reinforcement, it's, it's like this black hole that you just throw stuff into and there's like nothing coming back because they're just so forgetful of the nice things you've done for them. Um, yeah, I think we do have to let go of this, this kind of conditional giving, this kind of uh, expectation of one-to-one like reciprocity. That's just not how, right, parents and children relate. And, and so uh embracing that fact i think will will help us be maybe more generous and uh be okay with giving unconditionally and maybe through that experience how our heavenly father uh gives us new mercies every day even though we don't reciprocate love to him as we should um and we see the father's heart uh uh through that and you know as they mature just as when we matured, we were more appreciative of our parents. They will appreciate you more. But in the meantime, uh, we play our role and reaffirm them. We appreciate them. We reward them when, you know, that's that's proper. All right. Okay. Any other final questions? I think that might have been the last one, but feel free to ask. If not, I'd like to close us in prayer um, and end with that, right? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for um, calling us to be parents. Uh, and what a what a way to show us uh, how much we need you to parent us and how much we need your power in our daily lives. But God, um, we trust you. We, we trust in your faithfulness in our lives, in our children's lives. We, we trust your wisdom in uh, bringing these children into our lives. We trust your wisdom in calling them your people, setting them apart for your kingdom for them to be raised according to your word. Um, Lord, we, we entrust ourselves, therefore, to your call, and we ask that you help us, God, uh, that you mature us, um, that you fill us with your spirit, that you help us bear the fruit of love and patience and gentleness and self-control uh, as we rely humbly on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, um, fill our hearts with your motive of love. Set our eyes on the goal of your righteousness, which you have given to us freely uh, in your Son. Uh, help us to be what we already are, and grow into what we already are, that is the children of God. Um, and in the way we parent, Lord, let that uh, show forth and, and, and may we glorify you uh, all the more through the way we we parent our children and and even in the way we parent our children set us apart from the world and the world's agendas um, may we help our children seek first your kingdom and your righteousness uh, and show them that we we love you we worship you um, we prioritize you and as for me and my house we will serve the lord uh, Lord, may we be such people, such families, and such parents, such husbands and wives. Uh, so continue, Lord, to strengthen us and equip us. And thank you, God, for uh, bringing alongside us so many brothers and sisters who are walking the same journey, uh, struggling on the same path, but leaning on the great Savior who delivers us, uh, who is faithful to us all. Uh, so, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you, and we we ask that you encourage us to continue to move forward. And until our next equipping, um, Lord, help us to implement these principles, remember them, and to 
do our best to apply them. We thank you once again, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Um, again, I will send you guys the, the handouts. If there are any follow-up questions you have you'd like to ask me separately, please feel free. Um, I'd love to be of continual help. And if you have any um, suggestions for our next uh, equipping meeting, whether this format is helpful, whether it worked for you or not, what could be better, please, I love, I love your feedback as well. All right. Okay, guys, um, have a good night and I'll see you later. Bye.